I think the great thing about these books, though, one of the things I really like is the fact that these, because they cover such a short period of time, it's a good indication of just how dramatic everything is when you're a teenager. Oh, yeah. Everything's very important. Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing will ever be a bigger deal than the mundane yeah. facts of life. A novel's worth of events will happen to you in four weeks. <laughs> like, that is just the way it is being a teen. Is this going to be the all-time shortest episode of our show because nothing happens in this book? Uh, how can you how can you claim Massimo is nothing? What is <laughs> what is Massimo to you then? Massimo is a blip on the radar. Massimo doesn't do more than peck George on the lips. It's not even on the stalking scale. Massimo introduces the concept though of another culture where where incredibly good-looking guys are a dime a dozen. And, yeah, that is true. And Massimo is suddenly having to contend with the fact that he's in a small town England where he is he is the like quintessential uh, cute guy in everyone's eyes. It's uh, true. And, and, and for those reasons, what? I feel for Massimo. <laughs> can you relate to the situation? Yeah. I can relate. This book, though, introduces the concept of church. Huh? It does introduce the concept of church that happens early on. Uh, it introduces a kitten, which I was very happy about. It a cross-eyed kitten. Lord of the Rings. It introduces a reference to Kate Bush's song, Weather Guides. And uh, the notion of a notion of Ian Fleming's James Bond novels as an entity in a, in a capacity that I have never experienced in any pop culture. The 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 pinpointing of James Bond as a as, a, as an almost purely literary character. <laughs> uh, what book is this that introduces all these brilliant uh, references and concepts and characters? Uh, I guess what book this is depends on uh, what country you're in, actually. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hi, guys. Uh, welcome to Pizza Toast, a podcast where we no longer talk about the Babysitter's Club. In fact, Netflix where we no longer can talk about the Babysitter's Club. Because Netflix has betrayed us by canceling the show. My name's Christy. My name's Phil. And we did, yeah, we talked about the first two seasons of the Netflix Babysitter's Club and other Babysitter's Club adaptations, but the well has run dry. We uh, are. Yeah. Have said goodbye to our friends. We have to definitely say goodbye to these friends. And people are throwing up their, their fists, raising their fists to the sky at the cancellation of the Babysitter's Club and yelling at Netflix. And I am still curious as to who pulled the trigger on on this like people are blaming netflix but i'm wondering how much scholastic had to do with this as well i'm really curious about that i'm also curious if they could have reasonably continued with the same actors while keeping them in the eighth and sixth grade levels because they were aging quickly they were aging age quickly they do that so i think it's a probably a combination of factors but i bet I would blame it. I would pin it mostly on Scholastic because this is, uh, you know, Netflix never releases their numbers. Right. But it was a really popular show, like, or is. It was. I, I, I'm going to assume it was an expensive show because of the shortness of each season. I, I assume they were pouring more money into each episode. And I'm wondering, because, of course, I went to Reddit, the Babysitter's Club subreddit, and just to see what people were saying about it. 
And right. one person said, oh, I guess this means I'm not going to get to finish collecting all the reissues they're doing of the books because the reissues were coming out kind of in, in alongside the, uh, the TV series. And I was like, right. And that was what got me thinking. I'm like, I wonder how much of this is simply scholastic just going, you know what? We're not seeing the return on investment we were hoping. This didn't increase sales of the books. This didn't renew interest in the property the way we were hoping. We're investing a lot of our own money. Plus, Walden Media is the producer. Like, I'm wondering if they're just like, you know what? The return on investment on this just isn't, you know, people watching a lot of Netflix doesn't help out the other production side. Like, It's weird because having been in the Scholastic offices well before the Netflix uh, series came out, not well before, a few years before, there's very little hint of the babysitter's club legacy there in the way that there is of other series like even goosebumps they have more uh decor devoted to it there wasn't like where there was a slappy there which was terrifying by the way that was very (laughs) scary to me but yeah that that's not so like this is not scholastic's front-facing brand for better or worse i think worse in this case but uh, the Babysitter's Club has been supplanted in our hearts anyway, so it's it's all fine. It's it all going to be okay. Uh, and don't worry, we will pop up every now and then with some with some Babysitter's Club material. There is there is ephemera should, yeah. out there that we have not touched on. Uh, <sighs> Got to do an episode on the fan club, but yes, we'll yes. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. In the meantime, what was the name of the book you read? Because the name uh, of the book I read was Away Laughing on a Fast Camel. The name of the book I read was, and that's when it fell off in my hand, a quote that we were like, this was in the last book, but then it's also in this book. So <laughs> It's in this one again, which is a great callback, and it is also about false eyelashes this time. Uh, boy entrancers. <laughs> boy entrancers, <laughs> which, which is an expression that I love, but also is called out in the book proper as being a confusing thing for a girl to refer to something on her body. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a couple good moments in relation to that. Dave the Laugh, usually a fairly respectful gentleman, minus all the snogging, uh, mm-hmm. they, takes that to mean something very different. Right. Something that Georgia talks about quite a bit also. So <laughs> She loves to talk about that. I mean, I think once the term Nunganungas was introduced, that just gave her carte blanche to use it all of the time, which is fair. It's funny. Which brings up another point, which is that uh, I found I found out that we have been pronouncing Nunganungas wrong. Yes. <laughs> Isn't I'm that try- crazy? I'm trying to do it better, but I still don't know if I've gotten it. So I've been listening to the books by as read by Louise Renison, who I assume is the uh, authority figure on the pronunciation of everything at these, which is how we found out that Nutty Pants is correct. Uh, but she pronounces it Nunganungas. Yeah. She says it. Nunganungas. like it's she, hard to say yeah it is <laughs> it's too Plus, fast it has she has that accent so it, right. it actually flows better with the accent but she's doing it onomatopoeically so yeah. it sounds like the sound effect Nunganungas. uh yeah, and she does that's so what naturally. they do yeah <laughs> she's like she's like uh and that's when i realized she was staring at my Nunganungas. Mm-hmm. and i'm like oh wow you just she just sort of swallows it like it comes out of the back of her throat like i can't figure out how she does it but it's brilliant in any case if you can get your hands on the louise renison audiobooks they are worth a listen uh yeah i still haven't i still haven't been listening to these i have still just been reading them but 
oh boy, does Georgia jump off the page. That's what she's best at. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> so we get a little bit of regression of her character in this one. Uh, I we, would agree. <laughs> we get a little bit of regression on, not regression, but we get a little more in depth with her relationship with Jazz, uh, which was pretty contentious in the last book and remains so. Uh, there are bits in this one where it seems like maybe they are not going to be friends anymore. Right. But like that is imminent. Uh, by the end of the book, they are very close again. Uh, they've they've revealed that they love each other. Rather, Jazz has revealed she loves Georgia. <laughs> of course. Which is very sweet. And they both are going through a very similar, or they have a very similar experience yeah. that they end up going through, brings them together. But it is true that they are still... Uh, they're still at odds, and Jazz still has this thing that she can hold over Georgia. To her credit, she continues to keep it a secret, yeah. the Dave the Laugh situation, but it is some like a bargaining chip, which is scary. And what's really fascinating about that is that the book kicks off a month after the last book. So this is our first time jump. Yeah, we get a time uh, jump, uh, because Robbie the sex god has already been gone for a month. Okay, they didn't really officially break up but no. they are broken up to georgia's understanding georgia just doesn't georgia doesn't know what's going on so mm -hmm. in classic georgia fashion she takes that as meaning life is over she is now a nun and uh can just simply devote herself to a life of, of virginity and religion. Like, yeah, this is a, which is why she goes to church and then sets a woman's uh, shawl on fire. She does a very Nickelodeon <laughs> happening. That is the, the most slapstick scene since like her breaking her hair off because of peroxide in the first book. How does she refer to the, how does she refer to the minister? Uh, I have it here. She goes, find it. she goes to church. She prays at one point. She says, I just loved this. She says, Dear baby Jesus, I am sorry for my sin, even though I do not know what they are, which seems a bit unfair if it is going to be held against me. But that <laughs> is your way, and I am not questioning your wisdomosity. In future, however, would it be possible for my life to not be so entirely crap? Thank you. <laughs> she prays a lot. She prays to Buddha and baby Jesus. She makes a shrine to Robbie with a Buddha and a baby Jesus, uh, which she had which to is... steal from Libby, who was using it as a Barbie boyfriend. <laughs> Libby's toy collection becomes more and more fascinating as these books develop. Yes. I would say <laughs> the no, uh, call me Arnold is what she calls the. Oh, is that the what master. it is? Yes, yes. Yeah. Call me Arnold. He's too friendly, and he plays a lot of guitar. Yeah, this doesn't sound like a. I mean, it's vaguely a Catholic service because they have the uh, candles that they light at the end, but it doesn't. Oh, yeah. I assume it's Church of England, right? Yeah, I think it is Church of England. I I haven't been to I I went to church when I was in London, which is weird to think about now. And it sounds a lot like this, but the but it was at it's at Westminster Abbey, so it was a little more traditional. <laughs> a little more dramatic. A little more traditional, yeah. And I think that it's it's worth remembering that the relationship of school kids to church in England is different than it is in America because mm -hmm. uh, there's that weird separation of church and state thing that we have isn't as isn't prevalent over there. And so no. church is just kind of this thing, like going to the grocery store. Yeah, basically. Uh, she has a mixed bag of an experience there. As I mentioned, she lights 
uh, set someone on fire. Set someone on fire. <laughs> Which and it, it, doesn't it, it seem seems... to be as big a deal as I thought it would be. No, no. It doesn't really get out of hand or anything. Uh, she mostly just gets the idea that maybe she shouldn't go back again, and she does not. So also, uh, Georgia's class is putting on Macbeth. Yeah, we don't really get a lot of talk about this, honestly. We do There's not. Way more references to Withering Heights, which also we don't really get in depth on at all. Which is called Withering Tights, which becomes the title of a book in her next book series, which is strange. So That sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because we spend a lot of time setting up Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not allowed to say the word Macbeth. Uh, right, we get the, the whole cast list. play, yeah. Mm-hmm. We get the cast <laughs> uh, list and everything, but then yeah, it's just sort of forgotten. Uh, J- Jazz is playing Lady Macbeth. Yes, uh, of course. She gets to play <laughs> um, uh, their friends, the other members of the Ace Gang, or three other members of the Ace Gang, are playing the witches. Yeah, and she's cast as Macduff, which is interesting casting. <laughs> so two stories, really quick. Uh, my English class in high school read Macbeth out loud and Mm -hmm. each kid in class was assigned a character Um, and you can imagine how painful that is like to read an entire Shakespeare play out loud with a bunch of kids who aren't interested in it yeah who don't care about it I uh, I've done the exact same thing I did it with Romeo and Juliet yeah and the way they cast it though was they went around the class the teachers went around the class and was like all right starting here who do you want to play who do you want to play? So, of course, the first guy is like Macbeth because, like, it's the name. And I was on the other side of the classroom. Oh, no. Which means I think I ended up playing, like, guard number two. And the guy playing Macbeth had no interest in it, didn't know how to read Shakespeare. And so I sat there class after class fuming in my seat because I should have been. I was the only one in the class who cared. And I was just like, oh, he's doing it wrong. He's doing it wrong. See, we always got proper cast. Like, what, I mean, this was just in English class, but like, I did some of the Juliet monologues mm-hmm. in Romeo and Juliet, which makes sense because I knew how to read Shakespeare. And I was Brutus when we did uh, Caesar, which there was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Man, reading Shakespeare out loud, it's been a minute. It's, it's been a minute for me and the guy. <laughs> it's great fun. I actually ended up playing Macduff in a production. Oh, nice. In 2004. Four, five, three, something. I played Macduff in a local production. Uh, my last time doing Shakespeare on stage. So I can, I have sympathy for Georgia. Macduff is a, she's like, she doesn't know anything of the role. But I'm sitting here going, Macduff's a great role. You get to kill Macbeth in the end. <laughs> and uh, Rosie refers to Shakespeare as swan, as a swan for yes. some reason. Because he was, the teacher said he was the bard. Oh, and she, she reads that as the bird. bird yeah, and then they started calling him the swan. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Rosie, Rosie's great. Rosie's a, I was just gonna say she's a nut in this book. She's my. She might be my favorite character now. Yeah. Uh, Dave the Laugh is really. Uh, he hasn't waned in my mind, but he is. He's just a scamp. Guy's a scamp. Just like always, always leading Georgia on, or rather, leading every other girl on, <laughs> while only liking Georgia, but admitting to it. Yeah. And being like, so in this book, Dave the Laugh gets a girlfriend, Rachel, who seems mm-hmm. like a perfectly nice girl. And even George is like, she just seems like a nice girl. Yeah. Uh, and, but she keeps meeting up with Dave the Laugh whenever she has a problem. And Dave will dispense Dave the Laugh wisdom. But then they always end up snogging. 
uh, just for a little bit, but they always end up snogging, getting to like number you know five or six. Yeah, <laughs> she is distraught temporarily about getting to five or six, and then uh, dismisses it. Like then we're on to the next thing. And she's like, time. "You have a girlfriend," and he's like, "I know, but I'm a teenage guy, and I have the general horn." So this is what's going to happen. And she's like, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, we return to the concept of the horn because Mm -hmm. uh, Georgia briefly gets the particular horn for Massimo. Uh, Oh, so Robbie is in New Zealand now. Yes. Been in New Zealand for a month and over the course of the book, which I think is only a couple months this time. It's pretty short. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're always pretty short. Uh, But this this book is longer, too. Like, Mm -hmm. they're... For how little happens. <laughs> for how There's little a lot happens. of light here. This here is a long book. <laughs> this is a long book. Uh, yeah, so Robbie's gone. He writes her one letter that we hear about. And she never writes him back, which is presumably why he does not, not write, write her, her back. And it's a that. confusing letter to her. It is. He says nothing uh, affectionate toward her at all. Uh, yeah. He just writes about all of the geographical features of Rogue Kiwi Wars. Gogo Land. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Uh, what is it like? Something boars. Uh, rogue. <laughs> rogue boars. Yes. Yeah, the rogue boars. Yeah. Uh, it he's sounds doing. He's great. doing environmental work. Yeah, he's doing an actual job. Yeah. It sounds. And from this book, I gather that all teenage boys in England have to go do some job at some point. It sounds like, and it sounds like all the kids in school have to work someplace for a day at some point. That becomes a really weird minor plot point in this book. Yeah. Did you never have to do that? No, I've never heard of that. Okay. So I had to do that in my American schooling. It was called job shadowing. And you picked an adult you knew, whether it was like your parent or like a colleague of your parents. Okay. And you went to work with them for a day. Interesting. I mean, maybe I was supposed to. But I was I so good at getting out of stuff that <laughs> it could have just been that I was like, I'll figure out, I'll, I'll, I'll get my my morally questionable theater teacher to come up with some way that we we don't have to do this, and, uh, because not being at school for a day would have been a nightmare uh, for everyone. So we weren't even allowed to be sick. So that was how our theater program was run. Uh, normal. Uh, normal it was very cool normal, normal. <laughs> uh, uh yeah no george's mother gets it in her head that georgia should go to uh george clooney's practice for the day for hers and that is it, yeah it's a very minor plot point but she does go to work for the day and she hates it yeah, <laughs> she, she hates has, it so much she has to dress nice but not like provocatively and then be around old people that's pretty much it yeah, uh, she doesn't like all the sickness surrounding her for that entire day. I wanted to point out something that Dave the Laugh says. Uh, he says, uh, when Georgia is confused as to how he's behaving, he says, look, girls and boys are different. Girls like to be touched 20 times a day in a non-sexual way to feel good about themselves. That's why I tickle you and link arms with you. But boys think about sex, snogging, and football, and also snogging whilst playing football. Simple. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's a wise man. He's not wrong about any of this. He's very, yeah, there's something to Dave the Laugh. I mean, there's a reason we talk about how much we love Dave the Laugh so much. He's a great character. What I love about Dave is that he's a cad 
because of all the snogging he does extracurricularly. <laughs> and he almost seems to take advantage of George's distraught, because whenever she's distraught, yeah, that's when they end up snogging. Yeah. But he's upfront about it as well. He's like, no, this is what I'm doing because I like you and I like making out with you. And this is, I know, I can't, I have the general horn and you have the general <laughs> horn. So it's enjoyable. And then we're done with it. And that's who we are. And she's like, okay, like he's, uh, he's honest. He's not, he's not deceptive. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the only recurring things in the plot. Like it's that and her and Jazz getting into minor fights here and there uh squabbles that turn into multiple days of not talking to each other uh she doesn't have to carry jazz like a backpack at any point this time no, no. uh she does have like i mean they take turns consoling each other jazz is maybe not that great at it but georgia ends up being like a good friend to jazz in this book which i was very happy about yeah it's that thing where when there's a real emotional emergency they show up for each other yeah. Uh, like yeah. so. So when so uh, jumping ahead, spoiler to the end, but uh, <laughs> or close to the end, Jazz finds out that Tom is going to go because he and Robbie are brothers. Tom is going to go stay with Robbie for six months mm-hmm. uh, in Kiwi Agogo Land, and that Land, and that yeah. leaves Jazz distressed and distraught and not speaking to Tom for a good portion of the book, and that's where she gets closer again with Georgia. Yeah, uh, Georgia is her caretaker. Georgia kind of. Uh, brings her snacks and makes her treats and they cuddle and then she lets Jazz cry. And she also advises Jazz on whether she should or should not talk to Tom again. And uh, what I think my favorite bit in this book is when they are at a Stiff Dylan's gig and they're trying to decide if Tom is watching Jazz or not. So Georgia is looking through a glass. And a few minutes later... She and Tom talk, and he says, why were you looking at me through a glass for a very long time? <laughs> it's very good. Um, so another book is introduced in this book. So there's yes. so many books in this book. So we have Macbeth, uh, Lord of the Rings. Her parents are getting ready for a Lord of the Rings party, and her dad is dressed up as Legolas, and it's just this thing that goes on for a while. Um, <laughs> but also... Uh, she gets her hands on one of her mom's books called uh, How to Make Anyone Fall in Love with You. Which, Why does her mom have this? I'm assuming it's just one of those books you got at some point from someone. <laughs> yeah, that was that was what I was thinking. Like, it seems like kind of a gag gift that you just kept. Like, it's a like a ha ha. Isn't this funny? But but it yeah. works. It works. All of the all of the tips in this book work. Uh, Having sticky eyes, uh, swishing your hips around, uh, tossing your hair, lots of that sort of thing. The sticky eyes thing, I was like picturing it in my head and I was like, yeah, that does work. That that actually, that <laughs> is a, that is a, works. that's where you, you make eye contact with someone like across the room and then you turn your head away from them, but you leave the eye, like you move your eyes so you maintain eye contact with them until the last moment. So your eyes are sticking to theirs. And they're like, you do that, and a guy will just follow you across the room. The guy will just come to you. Oh, and and uh, uh, Ellen is trying to attract Dave the laugh. So one of the tips is, like, go into the middle of the dance floor and just dance by yourself. And that attracts guys. And so she does. She's, like, sort of flailing in the middle of the dance floor. And some rando guy just walks up and starts dancing with her. And later yeah, on, right. she's like... She's like, it didn't work. It didn't work. And they were like, no, it totally worked. You just, it, it's not general. It's too general. It's not specific to Dave the Laugh. It's not a book called How to Get Dave the Laugh to Fall for You. <laughs> and Georgia uses the sticky eyes technique 
at a party that Dave the Laugh shows up to with his new girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And it attracts a random man, <laughs> a random boy, yeah. who who uh, sticks around with Georgia, wants to like wants to go outside, clearly wants to snog, and she dismisses this idea out of hand. <laughs> she right, doesn't right. actually want that. Uh, a guy called uh, a guy who's referred to as uh, the Dame. Um, uh, <laughs> we, have some, is... we have some good nicknames Damien, come back. Damien the Dame Knightley. Uh, uh, in, in the Georgia Nicholson wiki, he is simply referred to as a bloke with a crush <laughs> on Georgia. There isn't really anything else to him. Um, uh, so yeah, so J Dave the Laugh has this, has this girlfriend. Georgia gets very upset about her. Uh, uh, there's this whole confrontation between her and Jazz where Jazz is trying to cheer up and Georgia yanks Jazz's hat over her eyes, which causes Jazz to fall over. And that's when they <laughs> stop speaking to each other for a while. Uh, another plot point is that her dad sells the family car and buys, and buys her a Robin Reliant. <laughs> uh, explain this car to our listeners. Uh, a Robin Reliant is a three-wheeled car. Yeah. Um, it looks like, a, like it does look like a very cloudish car. Like whatever Georgia is very embarrassed of this car and refuses to ride in it. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. would be too. It's a nightmare. I, and, they, and they sold these. I didn't realize they were selling Robin Reliance up through like 2003. Yeah, way too recent. Uh, yeah. I saw them for the first time on Top Gear, the, the mm. British car show. And there was an episode where they did a race with them. And uh, one of the one of the drivers just kept tipping it over repeatedly because yeah. it's so easy to do. So he's doing it on purpose. But it's not a stable car. And in this in this book, George's father convinces like his friends and relatives to buy them too. Yeah. Everyone so it's like starts a buying these. I assume that it's one of the I mean, from the one of the ways it's just one of those cars like a Volkswagen Beetle where like there's like clubs around these cars. Oh yeah. Like everyone's I'm sure. like I have this car that makes me like this type of person. But like as you pointed out, these are ugly cars like they're i ugly, have a lot of affection for stupid looking cars like i love little stupid looking cars i think they're i think stupid cars are adorable but this is an ugly car like they're not charming even the newer ones they just they're they're weird looking and i got angry at the dad for it <laughs> I didn't like George's parents in this book. I've never liked them that much, but this is the least I've liked them because they really don't seem, and this is, this could be George's narration. So I don't want to fully exactly. pin it on them, but they don't seem to care about her at all. They seem very involved in their own world. And her mother does comfort her at one point mm -hmm. about Robbie, about boys in a generic sense. And it's sweet. Yeah. But. It's a little too little too late. <laughs> yeah, because her mom is also weirdly attracted to Massimo as well. Oh, I hate that. And um, <laughs> also, Dave the Laugh says he has the gen uh, the general horn for for George's mom, which is funny. Which is yeah, which is funny <laughs> and understandable. Uh, I had the general horn for a couple of friends' moms in high school. It was, it's a thing. But it's not weird. It's, it's I not mean weird. it's. It's pretty natural. So, like, also, in Dave's The Laugh's case, you never know if he is telling the truth about this kind of thing because, you know, <laughs> right. he's a laugh. Or just yeah. trying to get George's re reaction out of Georgia. He'd um, love to get a reaction out of Georgia. Yes. Yeah, because she's, she's delightful to cause to react. Um, yeah. uh, there's also a really, really upsetting scene with, uh, with 
uh, Mark Big Gob. Uh, mm-hmm. A really upsetting scene. Did not did not care for this. Uh, uh, which I mean, but, an intentionally upsetting. I should yeah, point out. Cared like for the resolution to... of it very much. Very yeah, Mark, happy about it. Mark Bigob, so, yeah, asks Georgia to to meet him, like at at a certain time in a certain place, just basically to 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 make out. Mm-hmm. And she's so like in a in in such a bad place that he she does a little bit with him but then he starts groping her like seriously inappropriately yeah under her bra which is really yeah. upsetting yeah. and she gets mad uh she pushes him off he is upset with her for doing that yeah he says you, girls like you make me sick yep and dave the left sees how upset george is in in short order and he apparently off screen tragically uh punches mark in the face and and, de- and demands he apologize to georgia yep and he and, shows up at her house and uh shamefacedly apologizes and says make sure you let dave know that i came around and apologize <laughs> and then the next time she sees him he just is perfectly cordial to her yeah like uh, i think one of the girls says he treated you almost like a normal human being which nice yeah. Great character development on the part of Mark. Actually, great character development on the part of Dave. <laughs> the left. Yeah. 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 Dave. Uh, Dave is. Uh, to me, that like even more humanizes him as a character. Mm-hmm. Like he he goes and does, you know, he does what he sees as the right thing to do, which is he's not even trying to be like chivalrous. He's yeah. teaching a he teaching one of his peers a lesson about the way to <laughs> the way to behave with with girls. And, I would uh, argue he does the right thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he I think Mark deserves it. I think I like that this is how this is resolved. And I also like that this is the la- that's the last creepy thing that happens with a boy in the book. Like because right. before that, prior to that, uh Mark had again been like making fun of her in the previous couple of books. Uh, making fun of how big her breasts are, which she has the Nunganaga holder now, so that yes. helps. But it could which only she do finally so much. refers to as a sports bra. Yeah, <laughs> we knew we all we knew all along, but the the terminology was just too good to resist. Yes, um, and this is around the time when uh, so the stiff. What happens is since Robbie is away and he's left the stiff Dylans because the life of a rock star is too shallow for him. Uh, <laughs> The Stiff Dillons have somehow acquired uh, a guy from America, but who is Italian, uh, uh, named Massimo, to be their new lead singer. And uh, everyone is fascinated by him because he is Italian, even though he's from America. He has an, he has an Italian accent. He, is, he rides around on a Vespa, and he is, uh, as, as Dave calls him, he is Flash. Yes, uh, he's flash. Uh, mm-hmm. He's dishy. They all think he's hot. Uh, yeah. He's a, he apparently is attractive. Like everyone has a crush on him immediately. Yeah. Whether it's just that he like it's the combination of actual handsomeness and exoticness. <laughs> and right. uh, he's and any girl who he thinks is cute who pays attention to him right now, he will pay attention to them because. As he tells Georgia, he was in a serious relationship before he left America, exactly. and now he just wants to have some fun. Now, and... this comes to a head, of course, when they go to the Stiff Dylan's concert, and she's hoping to meet up with Massimo there, and then he ends up leaving the concert with Stiff, with Wet Lindsay, 
on his scooter, uh, who is the worst person he could become involved with. And this is not unlike the plot of Tall Girl, <laughs> where Stieg arrives from Sweden, and he's perfect for Tall Girl and Beautiful Man. But he ends up dating her worst enemy because she's the first girl to show attention to him, and he does not realize that she is actually the worst girl. So... I'm glad that Tall Girl somehow came back. Good. Yeah, I needed you to talk tall about girl. Tall Girl. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, Wet Lindsay is actually a bad person. She's a like, bad we person. Have, we the have girl her... in Tall Girl is a bad person. She made fun of Tall Girl all of her life. Tall. When Tall Girl <laughs> said that she wanted to be just like Taylor Swift, the girl said more like Taller Swift. And that <laughs> that's was back a in really good bird. It is a good No, bird. that's really funny. Uh no, like we know what Lindsay is actually a bad person. Like she yeah. goes out of her way to get Georgia in trouble. Uh, <laughs> one of George's report cards in this book refers to her japes, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I really love. Uh, but you know, uh, he, yeah, he goes off with what Lindsay. Then he asks Georgia to go to the movies with him. Yes. Because uh, they keep kind of running into each other. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's a small town. Oh, oh, wait, I just wanted to call out that the, the report card says Georgia is an intelligent girl whose academic career is blighted by her immature japes. <laughs> and Georgia's response is immature japes, locks of mercy. Uh, and then she says, but tragically, life is not like that. We do not do immature japes. We do really sophisticated japes. <laughs> I would say that I would say their japes are a combination of yes. the two. Some of their japes uh, are immature. Let's go down the disco is fairly <laughs> immature, and yet they keep doing it and getting into a lot of trouble for it. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a lot of good dancing in this book because there's also a bit where like whenever somebody has to use the restroom at the Stiff Dylan's concert, everyone will dance over the restroom together in a clump. Yes, and uh, one time it's a conga line, and then. <laughs> Georgia can't get there for a long time because well, the entire crowd erupts <laughs> in a conga line. This is where the boy entrancers come in because yeah, yeah. because Georgia has put on a pair of false eyelashes for the gig because she wants to really mm -hmm. impress Massimo, and she uses extra glue to keep them from falling off. And then when she's trying to impress, so. Jazz isn't talking to Tom because Tom is going mm -hmm. out of the country. And so Tom runs into Georgia and, and Tom's like, I understand you're into Massimo. I'll introduce you to him if you can get Jazz to talk to me. And there's a really funny back and forth between Georgia and Tom and Georgia and Jazz trying to get them to talk to each other so that Tom will introduce her to, to Massimo. But by the time it comes around to introducing her to Massimo, she goes to she closes her eyes and she can't open them again because she's put too much glue <laughs> on her boy entrancers and her eyes are glued shut. It's really good. And it's a little, I mean, this is cartoony, but it is also more, I mean, it's more realistic than you would think. Like, yes. flash glue, if it's cheap, can be pretty poor quality and also very sticky. Like, it wasn't, it didn't dry correctly. It dried in just the wrong way. This is also this, oh, yeah. No, go this ahead. This is also the second time she's meeting Mosmo. Like, but, like, because she met him on the street briefly, and this is the first time he finds out her actual name yes. because because her sister, she was with Libby. They're hopping around the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> uh, Libby kept referring to her as Ginger. Yes, uh, because Libby has a different word for everything. Libby's, uh, Libby's vocabulary is very good, like her vernacular. So she's blind and she gropes her way to Rosie, who 
she grabs so she groping and she grabs rosie like in the waist because she can't <laughs> see and rosie's like oh we're we doing a conga to the loo <laughs> and so she starts congaing george's the loo and george is like no i just need to get to the bathroom to fix my but then everyone sees them congaing so everyone joins in and it takes a long time to as you said to get to the bathroom it's really good and by the time she comes out wet Lindsay is with massimo also yes. she's because her eyes are glued shut, she just sort of pretends she's dancing away. And, and <laughs> it's the song Two Little Boys by is what's playing, which I don't know if you know Two Little Boys, but it is not a song you would... I'm surprised the club was playing it <laughs> in the first place. It's yeah. an entire... It's a, it's, a, it's a great scene. And, it is a great scene. But then after... Yes, short order after that, Georgia and Mosbo go to the movies. He asks her to go. Mm-hmm. He's a little late, presumably because he's Italian. Uh, he apologizes. <laughs> and then uh, they go to the movie. They don't touch at all. Yeah. Um, their hands brush a couple times, but that's it. And he kisses her very lightly, like a peck on the lips at the end of the night. And she's really confused by this, which with good reason, like uh, all evidence, like or every time she's gone out with a boy, there's been a lot more kissing than this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she talks to Dave the Laugh about it. And Dave the Laugh. So Dave the Laugh gives, again, some of the best advice he ever gives to anyone. And he actually gives this advice before the movie, which is you have to be straightforward with boys because boys don't pick up on irony, <laughs> boys don't pick up on hints. Uh, you have to be direct and honest with them and also compliment them a lot. Uh, boys find that attractive. And I'm going to come right out and say the bit about boys not picking up on things and not understanding irony and signals is absolutely true. Yeah, no, that's accurate. Especially like, I mean, naturally, as you get older, you're better at picking up on signals. But it, certainly as a teenager, mm-hmm. no way. He's yeah. a... Uh, a, a Dave is very world wise for how young he is. <laughs> like Dave has it down. I think he's I think one of the reasons Dave is so funny is because Dave is very observant. And yeah. that he's smart and observant and put those two things together and you can have someone who's pretty wry because mm-hmm. they see what's going on around them. But yeah, so she starts experimenting with being honest and complimenting just men like her Kamire and uh and Elvis, <laughs> who is who is leaving the uh, the school? By the way, the groundskeeper is retiring, yes. uh, and one of the like the nasty guys who hangs out near their school and like hurls uh, uh, ugly things at Georgia all the time about her about mm-hmm. her body. She compliments all three of them, and they all respond like, "Oh, oh, okay," and it like calms them down and like centers them. <laughs> uh, I just like that she learns that this works. Right. Demonstrably works. Yeah. And Uh, she actually decides to be honest with her parents for the first time. And they respond by giving her money. They give her money. And also when she says she is going out, they're like, yep, you can do that. I guess, I suppose, because you're being honest with us. You are allowed. It's wild. Yeah. Because she usually like says she's going to do one thing and then goes and does another. And instead she's like. I'm going out with this guy. We're going to the movies. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, okay. Like, oh, boy. And she's like, huh, wow, this this is actually working. Mm-hmm. So is that, 
Now I'm worried about timeline again. It's like we talked about the movies, then the mm-hmm. David Leff advice, then the honesty. It's all very. Yep. It's fine. This, this is the plan. They this is they they come up with a plan to uh to mess with Wet Lindsay, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a two it's a two part plan. Uh, part one is to l- stare at Wet Lindsay in public whenever you see her, so she gets paranoid and thinks there's something wrong with her. It, which is pretty cruel, mm-hmm. but also effective and funny because it's Wet Lindsay. Yes, and because and also it works. It it makes mm-hmm. her just like totally self conscious all the time. The other part is Georgia knows that Massimo likes to run, which she thinks is a terrible idea. But she's like, you know what? I'm gonna start running and I'm gonna get in shape. Uh, so that so that the next time I see Massimo, like I'm in better shape, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time she runs, which is which is a which is a, a heart rending experience for her, <laughs> she accidentally runs into him, also running. Yes, well, she has said that she runs before yeah. this, so now he has proof proof positive she does run. Yeah, <laughs> and she's so out of breath that when he asks for her phone number, she can't give it to him, and. As Dave the Laugh says later on, she accidentally did the right thing by not <laughs> responding to his request because now she's playing hard to get. And uh, and Massimo is going to try even harder to get her attention. But also, Massimo is leaving for America. Because say, Massimo doesn't have time to try to get her attention because he's, yeah, uh, he's going. He's going to be gone. He's going to yeah. be gone for some time. What are the Stiff Dylans going to do? They keep losing their... <laughs> they keep they losing their singers. lead singers to, to, <laughs> to trips out of the country. Uh, but fear not, because the very end of this book has her uh, George's father proclaiming that they are going to America. Yep. That is... That's it. A, yep. <laughs> that is literally how the book ends. Uh, and she says... Uh, that it, that maybe she'll be able to find Massimo in America because how big can America be? How big a country can it be? <laughs> um, how many of these books end with one of the characters announcing they're going I somewhere? Was, I think we're like half and half so far. Uh, we haven't gotten to a round up. Part, so. part one ends with the dad announcing they're going to Kiwi a go-go land, yeah. I think. Part yes. two ends, doesn't it end with him, annou- him announcing that they're going to Scotland or... Yes, because they go to yeah, Ak I and uh, yeah, and Robbie uh-huh. when he rides up on his bicycle says he's going to go to New Zealand, and now it's always George's dad. Most yeah. of the time, it's George's dad ruining everything, mm-hmm. uh, as he's wont to do. But yeah, um, I was going to say no notes, some notes. Uh, you're correct that Georgia doesn't grow in this one necessarily. She learns, but she doesn't grow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's time. She has time. Uh, maybe she'll grow when she's in America. We can't know. We have no idea. Yeah. Um, I want to. I, I don't want to let go the fact that in addition to Lord of the Rings and Macbeth and how to how to attract any man in the world or whatever it's called, we also get a weird. She goes to the bathroom and her dad has a copy of what she says is the novel "Live and Let Die," by uh by Ian Fleming, but the. She quotes from it, and the quote is actually from Casino Royale. That's so I did, weird. It's I so did specific. My yeah. But also, I got, I've never read a James Bond novel. Same. Um, and she's she's confused because it refers to James Bond putting both of his hands on a woman's breasts. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, why would you put both of your hands on her breasts? Like, what are you doing? Uh, so I looked it up. 
And I've never read a James Bond novel. I had no idea that if you just entered the word breasts in a search in a James Bond novel, that doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> that doesn't even narrow it down to the page. Uh, so much of a James Bond novel is just talking about the ins and outs of a woman's breasts. And yes, I do mean the ins as well, because it. <laughs> I did not know these books were as explicit as they are. Uh, I didn't know that. Those movies are, I mean, he hooks up with a lot of women. That's a, this is the reason Bond, like, I mean, Bond girl being a catch-all term for the women that he does or does not hook up with. And there's also just marks. There's lots of times when he just sleeps with a woman once and you never see her again. They're pretty PG-13. Ian Fleming is angry about women's breasts. (laughs) Like, he is, he is just like, these, and look at them. And like, every other page is just like, and then Bond saw them and he didn't know what to do. (laughs) So he just had to stick his face in them. And he like sticks his face in them. And you're like, what is happening? Like, and it gets like really like graphic. I was shocked. Like this, d- Georgia Nicholson like led me down some pretty dark places. Yeah, I don't care for that. Uh, it's also just a continuing the trend of like upsetting things involving breasts that occur but in also, and surrounding uh, this book. The book Heidi plays a weird part in this book. As well. Oh yeah, uh, for some reason Libby decides that <laughs> that Georgia is going to read her the book Heidi. Mm-hmm. So she'll come in and they read it. Uh, Georgia critiques it a lot. She doesn't like Heidi very much. There is a time when she tries to throw, like, she tries to get out of going outside with Libby yeah. by reading Heidi to her, but Libby refuses this. This is when uh, they see Massimo. But... Heidi, yeah, she throws the novel at her head. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, did you know that 25 films have been made of Heidi? That's like how many bonds there are. <laughs> it's been adapted into movies, movies and TV series 25 times. Yes, why? <laughs> uh, uh, we had to watch Heidi in elementary school, and when we it was a Shirley Temple one, mm. and they they accidentally started it on the second reel, and because <laughs> it was a reel to reel like right, film. right. And I just remember they started it up, and it's one of those weird memories never leaves your head. It just started with Shirley Temple running down a train platform and a woman following her and Shirley Temple going, I'm not going any further. <laughs> and I thought that was how the movie began. And I was like, wow, I, I don't know the term in media res yet, but this is about as in media res as you can get. Fascinating in media res. It's a little girl hollering at a woman. Like, wow, this is fascinating. And we watched it for like five minutes where the teacher was like, oh, wait, we started in the middle of the movie. But yeah, that's my only experience with Heidi. That and finding the movie on YouTube later, years, decades later, to make sure my memory was correct, that Shirley Temple does yell that out. And lo and behold, I was correct. It doesn't seem like a book suited to- for like a three-year-old girl is my uh, my confusion here. It's a novel. It's like an actual yeah. like novel novel, right? Uh, a 19th century novel. I know it's about a five-year-old girl. So like maybe people are like, "Here's a good one," but it's just about a little girl who like gets orphaned and she goes to live in the mountains with her grandfather who hates her or is like cantankerous. <laughs> And then he grows to love her and, like, doesn't want to let her go. Like, that's Heidi. And, like, yeah, I can't imagine it holding a child's interest. (laughs) There's also an instance of Georgia parenting her sister (laughs) 
in a way right. that her parents are not doing. Parents are always going off for full days. Be like, we'll be back at eight when they leave in the morning. <laughs> like it's a, it's a lot. It's a uh, lot to unpack. Yeah, and like she'll be like, and Libby was at a friend's house, and I'm like, yeah. what? Like she's fine. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the uh, one other thing I that we we should note, uh, they end up keeping one of the kittens, one of Angus's yes. kittens. It is an orange boy cat. Uh, Libby names him Gordon or Gordy. Mm-hmm. He is cross-eyed. And Libby immediately indoctrinates him the way she has Angus by dressing him up all the time. And she brings him places. She brings him to a friend's house. <laughs> yep. It's and really good. He immediately starts acting just like Angus. Yeah, they're the same. Uh, there's a bit where both of them are asleep on top of Georgia when she wakes up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very cute. Uh, and of course, as we noted up top, and that's when it fell off in my hand. Uh, mm-hmm is is related to the conga line part uh, uh that's when her that's when her boy entrancers one of them falls off uh so uh it and away laughing on a fast camel are both appropriate titles for this book i think i think so um i mean it's a little confusing but i feel like with the that's when it fell off in my hand but i think that's a i think that's just a sneaky trick that Louise Renison is playing on us. Yes. Uh, I'm looking forward to somebody eating boy interancers in the yes. future. And why would you mention that? <laughs> I would mention that because A, it falls back to this title, but B, that's the title of the next book. Uh, and the, and that's when he ate my boy interancers. Do we think that Massimo is the he in question? Um, I, I shudder to think uh, because I am... I am looking at the cover of next week's book. Uh, then he ate my boy in trancers. And the pictures are the little, because in the British editions, there's just like little icons on the covers mm-hmm. that relate to the story. And this one is a heart, a guitar, and a cowboy hat. So uh, I'm assuming this is her, uh, obviously, American adventure. Um and I am curious as to who's eating whose boy entrancers in America. <laughs> and what uh, what what I think she refers to this as hamburger a go go land. Yes, she calls uh, which is uh, reductive but fair. <laughs> reductive <laughs> but fair. I would eat a hamburger right now if you put. One I would me. yes, I would happily. And I've already eat. eaten lunch. <laughs> I went to Burger King yesterday and had a. Big fish, as they call Ooh. it there. The Burger <laughs> the, King, the... big fish. Didn't they used to be called the Whaler? Oh, Jesus. I hope not. <laughs> we'll look it up later. Uh, All I know is they put their big fish on uh, pseudo uh, brioche buns. Yeah, it's that, true. I forgot that about are like that. The, the Burger King brioche, which is kind of gross tasting uh it's like it's like a cartoon version of what brioche is supposed to taste like um top that off with a big thick slab of fish fillet some questionable sauce and a bunch of lettuce i don't want this but i'm glad that you ate one (laughs) i did eat one uh uh, but Uh, i did not Eat boy entrancers. So. You did not eat boy entrancers, but you might. I might <laughs> next, next week. week. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Pizza Toast Pod on Twitter, on Gmail, Christy Admiral on Twitter, P. Corey uh-huh. Gonzalez on Twitter. Uh, I think, like, every week I'm going to forget what we're saying goodbye to. 
Mm. Well, this week, how about we say goodbye to our uh, Curly Whirly, which is mentioned, <laughs> and I had to look up in this book. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, a, okay. A chalky walky doodah bar that is all curly and whirly. See Milky Pops. So. <laughs> well, okay, it's, it's good. goodbye. Goodbye, Curly Whirly. Goodbye, Curly Whirly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>